Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Fiber. 
roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. What was your entrance? I told him I wanted to make up for last, like, last time. And then I made out with him. <laughs> so. That's farther than I've been with him, so. Brittany interrupted me to make out with Matt. Floor. Slut whore. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and the episode we saw tonight, I believe, is evidence of the Dark Lord's <laughs> power and that he does hear my prayers because he has made real my fantasies. <laughs> this episode was unbelievable in many ways. I thought I was experiencing a hallucination, but no, Pace Case assured me she saw people dressed in full body squirrel costumes as well so it happened (laughs) look i'm not saying there's a hundred percent chance that the producers are listening to this and they are crafting a bachelor season for you but it's not zero percent i think after watching this i mean five new girls a squirrel themed group date and a beautiful hooju we will get to all of that and much more. What Victoria Larson did tonight. Oh my God, it was fucking... Uh, everything in this episode, I just can't understand how action-packed it is. Everyone is making plays at all times. This is the professional era. It is fucking incredible to watch. And the episode we're going to break down for you on this show right now is going to be our magnum opus. I cannot (laughs) wait to fucking get into this. We took more notes on this than we've ever taken for any episode. But before we get to any of that, first, we have a bit of business. You see, when we first began this podcast, (laughs) almost, well, what is it, a year and a half ago? (laughs) It's Charles who's coming out. uh, Oh my God, it's Charles. Uh, Last July we started, or August, so it's been a year and yeah, I think that's right. almost a year and a half. Almost a year and a half ago, one of our stated goals was that as we speak about the game and we use all of our little acronyms and initializations, PTC, IFI, COTW, all that stuff, one of the things that we made up on this show is called the Hooju. It's the hug jump. It's what the female players or leads do to the male leads or players when they run up to them and they jump and they cling on them in a hug. It's called the hooju. We coined that phrase. And it has now been absorbed into the lexicon by the biggest Instagram player in the history of the game for men, Tyler Cameron. That is correct. We have posted this on our Instagram account. You can go look at it in our main grid. Tyler Cameron says to an e-news interviewer in a video that is now on the internet (laughs) that's called the hooju that 341,000 people have viewed already we don't know if tyler cameron's in the pit i tend to think he's not but someone in his sphere is he is pit adjacent there have been other uses of words like tidbits and things of this nature (laughs) that we always kind of jokingly say is evidence of these players being in the pit there is no mistaking Huju. This was taken from us at some point and absorbed up into the upper atmosphere of how players are talking about the game. And ultimately, one of our terms is going to be in the document one day. And then it will just be commonplace. I think PTC will probably be next. But this is it. Huju made it to the big time, falling out of the lips of Tyler Cameron on an official E! News video. We had hoped for this day 
for a long time, like you're saying, where these terms would be used publicly by high-level players. But I didn't think it would be this soon, and that it would be the male player with the most Instagram followers of anyone in Bachelor Nation, Tyler fucking Cameron. I do wish that he had mentioned Gore or Game of Roses, but I am happy for it all the same. Absolutely. It would have been fantastic if he would have said... (laughs) This podcast, Game of Roses, came up with Huju. He did not say that. And I apologize for blocking them on Instagram. That is further evidence that perhaps he is pit adjacent, not in the pit. We are blocked by him on Instagram. (laughs) Other than that, maybe he's still in the pit. Maybe he listens on a burner. I shouldn't have tagged him in all of the pool party, COVID party uh, footage. As much as we would have liked him to give us credit for coining the term as we did we still thank him for helping us achieve our goals and what term of ours will be next like i said i think it's ptc PTC. but we will see and i think you're going to hear ptc said by a player on a podcast when they're being asked about some date or something i think that's going to happen next my prediction someone commented on our post and said this is the regorification of the internet (laughs) (laughs) we spoke earlier about the degorification when players had taken off terms and taken down videos where they were listening to the podcast the regorification is tyler cameron's a huge play for us what it really signifies is the degorification is the producers don't want the players to talk about the show like it's a game the regorification is a player using one of our game terms to describe the game so one of these things will eventually win out either the producers will completely eliminate the style of talk from all players or all players will be talking like this one of those two must happen and we are now watching that unfold if we die by mysterious causes you guys know which one won out (laughs) (laughs) okay Hopefully that won't happen, but, you know, American politics and The Bachelor are closely related, so who knows what the producers are capable of. But now, we are going to give you proudly what you came here for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We open this historic fucking episode with a scene that is going to happen later in the show they've done this on every episode this season and this scene is anna redmond telling victoria to watch out for in quotes this girl she may be an escort i heard rumors that she's entertaining men for money that is the tone of our whole episode yeah and the tone of the whole episode you know we do get some progressive conversations about race but we also get this slut shaming and escort shaming throughout the whole thing as well so it's like one step forward two steps back we will have more to say about that as it airs within the context of this episode because it was a fascinating kind of new level achieved of our beloved game of a certain element but then we Come into portion one. It is day. We get a bunch of shots of Matt James pondering. His hands are in a kind of prayer position as he's describing the emotional impact of Sarah Trot leaving early last week. And then we cut to the Nima Common Room. MJ, Anna, and of course Victoria are hardcore shit talking Sarah Trot. 
MJ and Anna have no sympathy for Sarah. They are glad to see her gone, and Victoria says the trash took itself out. At this point, Katie chimes in and says, can you stop? She's gone. There's no point to keep talking about her or saying negative things. Katie is doing this throughout this episode where she is standing up for the little guy, the person who's not there, the person who is being bullied by the rest of the women. And this play is fucking risky. This is something a player ain't (laughs) gonna do unless they know what the fuck they're doing. Because yes, this is a great fourth audience play. We all love it. Oh, she's empathetic. She's sticking up for the little guy. She's doing the right thing. It is potentially extremely detrimental to a second audience game because you know Victoria Larson is part of this audience. And if you go against her, she will target you. And we know what happens to her targets. They go bye-bye. Mary Lynn and Sarah Trott, gone. So Katie's taking her life into her own hands a little bit here, but I think ultimately doing the right thing. Then we cut right to night. And we're on the after party of the group date that we didn't get to see from last week. And we don't see the group date. I don't know what any of them fucking did. They cut it right out of the show. We go straight to the fucking after party. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? What is the show? This is just like the group date win barbecue that we never saw on uh, Clacia's season. Yes. Is that a mandate of these bubble seasons? They just remove a day portion? I think maybe because they had just... This was so jam-packed. They are just like, eh, nothing really happened during the day portion. I don't know. I mean, they presumably they got a day portion, right? Yeah, I would assume. MJ and Mari both play this subtle how you doing play to Matt James, checking in on him after his emotional, you know, breakup with Sarah Trot. Mari stone cold player again everything happens for a reason tonight's a chance to show matt that i'm here for him she even sets this up that she's gonna do this how you doing then abigail in her one-on-one time fucking plays a perfect fimp strategy she says look i didn't think i'd make it through night one i'm still riding high off of you giving me the fimp rose honestly don't worry i'm here just give me a rose at the rose ceremony. Essentially what she's saying. No drama from me. Don't worry about it. Don't even give me a one-on-one. I don't care. This is perfect FIMP strategy. Perfect. And she may be a bit of a strategist because the things that she's saying to the other women don't match this. She seems like she's losing it. She's frazzled, etc. But she doesn't show that to Matt. She just shows still on cloud nine from that FIMP, baby. Here for you. It's what you do as a fimp. And now she's got maybe in the next week or the week after, she can turn the tables on him and say, hey, now I need a one-on-one, basically. I need some sign that you want me here. And then Piper has a little one-on-one time, and she starts taking fucking selfies with him with a Polaroid? This is an expert move. Those pics can be used later in a scrapbook or to make some other kind of fucking kringle with these pictures. And this is a strategy all players should employ. It's A-B-T-P. Always be taking pictures. (laughs) 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 What? You you can ask the producers. A-B-T-P. A-B-T-P. Oh my God. Tyler Cameron's going to fucking say that on YouTube tomorrow. (laughs) A-B-T-P. Potentially, you could ask the producers for a camera and like make it your thing. You could even have like, that's your quirk. That's your little affectation. Yeah, and a quirk that you can present the photos on Instagram later. 
You're already creating your parasocial content. Speaking of parasocial content, Chelsea Vaughn has one-on-one time after this. She shows Matt a picture of her and her mom, and she has long hair in this photo. Matt's like, I think you look good both ways. And Chelsea Vaughn here plays a racism PTC, and it was my... Play, 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 play of the game. She goes, people don't realize how emotional hair can be, especially for black women, just because, like, I literally had been chemically straightening my hair since I was two years old. My school was white. My friends were white. Matt James just threw out this whole thing, goes, yep, yep, yep. She goes, I had so much anxiety and stress over what people were going to think. It's definitely a unique experience that black women have with their hair. It's a lot. When I decided to shave it off, it was an emotionally freeing experience. This story was so fucking good and endearing. And she also paired it with this Instagram post that she posted on her main grid today. It is an up close shot of her with her hair as it is today. And she says, I am not my hair. Just fucking beautiful pairing this this parasocial play with this play as it airs it was awesome that's where we're headed with our beloved game the complete merger of the game and social media and right now the players kind of have to take it upon themselves to do but i think eventually it's got to be woven into the fabric of the game in some way i'm not exactly sure how but it will happen and i agree with you this play was fucking Beautiful in-game. The parasocial element is a double whammy kind of effect. I would have given it my play of the game. I think it's a more impactful play than what I'm giving my play of the game, but my play of the game was just my favorite play. I'm just going to say that. I, I don't I know that it was idea. a great play. I, think I, have an idea I just loved it, it. Well, I loved this play, and so did Matt James. And he says, thank you for sharing. He brings up her night one dress bam bam dress she said i had to give you a wow moment he goes every time you come in the room is a wow moment then they kiss and this is perfectly played one-on-one time on a group date and we're gonna get to it but she gets rewarded for it but before she gets that reward much deserved we go back to the nema common room where a rivalry is being set up here are the repercussions of going toe-to-toe with Victoria Larson. It is a segment that is called a girl talk segment. That is the name the producers give it. It's when they get at least two, potentially a small group of different players together and force them to have some kind of a conversation about another player or about whatever's going on between them, whatever. In this moment, it's Katie and Victoria on a couch by themselves. Immediately prior to this, they have both been in an interview room doing ITM interviews with producers who are telling them who the fuck knows what. So they've got all this shit being told to them. And then the producers are like, and now let them out of the cage, put them on the couch. And they have this conversation that is an Olympic champion versus another Olympic champion in fencing. It is a beautiful ballet of attack and defense. And it's high level play from both players here. Victoria demands an apology. Katie says, you're not getting one, not giving a fucking inch. 
Victoria says she was just expressing herself. Katie says expressing yourself and calling people names are two different things. I'm not letting you use that excuse, motherfucker. Victoria then says she can express herself with insults if she wants. Katie says, go ahead and do that then. Victoria says, then you can go ahead and express yourself with a dildo. (laughs) Essentially insulting the very fabric of the character she's created for herself. Katie then says she's confident in herself and knows what she wants. And Katie asks Victoria, what is the point of this conversation? What are you trying to get out of it? And Victoria has to fucking pause. She wasn't ready for that one. And she's like, I think it was rude how you speak to me. Katie says, if you're being a bitch, I'm going to call you out. And Victoria says simply, I'm not a bitch. You're a bitch. And Katie refuses to apologize. Says she'll say it again if she's doing something shitty. It was like every phrase back and forth between them was an attack or a defense. And the other was responding in kind. It was a beautiful fucking conversation. Whoever edited this thing should get a fucking Emmy. That person is (laughs) ingenious because there was not a dead moment in it. No, I wrote down every line. As did I. Beautiful piece of reality television right here. I mean, I I really cannot say enough about whoever cut this piece together because it is fucking beautiful to watch. I don't know if they took how much air out of it or if they added shit. I don't know what they did, but the end product, fucking great. I also think that when they are in these chats before they do this girl chat, that they are getting the ammo, specifically Victoria being like, if you want to express yourself with your dildo and think you're ready for an engagement, she's accusing Katie of being for TWR here and also invoking the dildo, which everyone knows is the <laughs> is the star of the show. But the thing here that Katie has is supreme confidence. You might even say it's the confidence of a crown. Oh, by the way, Victoria threatens her at the end of this. She goes, if you try to shut me down again, I probably wouldn't. (laughs) Victoria certainly is the one player who is the most hostile, the most aggressive, and seemingly the best at getting other players removed. So for Katie to stand up to her like this is phenomenal because all other players are trying to avoid Victoria Larson at this point. Katie is sitting on a couch with her and saying, fuck you, I'm not giving you an inch. And it seems to be working. That's the insane part about this. Katie is coming off so 4TRR that her attacks against villains seem justified to us, the fourth audience, yeah. even to the other players, certainly to the producers, because they're, she's giving them what they want. They want this fight, and she's giving it, and she's winning it through 4TRR defense. It's fucking incredible. It is astounding to watch them go at it. And also just Katie creating this whole like martyrdom storyline throughout this whole thing was just, it was beautiful. Poetry. Speaking of poetry, back on the group day, Matt is giving his runner-up speeches and he was good about it this week. He gives one to MJ and Abigail. They get bronze and silver medals, but there's only one group date rose and Chelsea gets it for her racism PTC. Much deserved. She also comes off super for TRR in her reaction. She's like, I didn't want to say be excited in front of the girls, but I got the rose. Eek. It's very cute. And then we end that portion with Abigail in an ITM saying she feels like there's a storm waiting to brew. And indeed, there is being brewed by the producers. Portion two is the cocktail party, but we open with a shot. Two birds in shadow on a branch. It's a beautifully composed shot. Right before Rose Ceremony, foreshadowing the drama, 
and these two birds were my. <laughs> Creature of the week. <laughs> had a different creature but i did write something about these birds two birds on a tree in silhouette against the dying sun as night falls on the colon <laughs> beautiful <laughs> the you. dying sun represents the um the somewhat peace that's in the house but there's foreshadowing here something dark is to come kaylee gets a little bit of a narrator role here she tells us that serena p rachel and chelsea all have roses. That's what the score is at. They are safe. They have the zero pointers. And now it's time for the cocktail party. Team. Anna definitely has the energy of someone who's planning to be first responder here. She addresses the group and says, I think we all saw how much us getting at each other for dumb things affected Matt. And I think we're all ready to not repeat that. But Victoria loads that she's going to be the first responder. She says, I'm going to pull him first since I didn't get to talk to him last week. I'm going to first responder because I turtled. I heard Anna wants to go first, but that's not happening. Sorry, Anna. I'm Elsa and you're Anna. So let it go, bitch. I'm going first. <laughs> okay, look. I was confused by the movie Frozen, but I don't think this was, <laughs> was what that movie was about. I still haven't made it all the way through, so I can't comment. Katie is the first responder here with the drink, actually. But then Piper gets the first one-on-one time, it seems. At least she's the first one that they show on camera. Matt says he was trying to break through her barrier, but she is such a strong woman. And he says she feels like she's kind of cracking, though. And she agrees. I am a strong woman, and I won't compromise because my mom is also a strong woman, and she knows that his mom is a strong woman. All this strong woman talk gets her a kiss. Kit gets a little one-on-one time. Matt says, I love being around you. Love level one. Kit's like, the chemistry's there for sure. The hardest part is going deeper. Katie gets the next one-on-one time. He likes that she doesn't care what other people think. And he LL1s her. I see you, and I like what I see. Then Bree has one-on-one time. Matt says, "I what I felt with you is real. Re-upping that love level one. Bree says, I want to give you that reassurance. They kiss. She jokes, are we going on another one-on-one? He laughs. And then Victoria gets her one-on-one time, and she says she's overwhelmed with emotions. It's hard. She says she's used to knowing if a guy's interested in her, and it's scary. Before she can say another sentence, something moves in the shadows. The darkness materializes into a humanoid shape. It is the Dark Lord who emerges from the shadows, interrupts her, and says, Matt, I need to talk to you right now, with as much seriousness as he can muster, and it seems like something bad has happened. That is the tone conveyed by our dark master. But actually, it seems like they are literally just trying to get Victoria to murder the five new women. Well, Victoria ITMs in this moment that she's very annoyed with Chris Harrison. Has she now turned her... Laser focus on to the Dark Lord. I would pay money to watch that. <laughs> she gets DLH to quit. <laughs> gets him to have a nervous breakdown. But only one of two things can be true here. She is either a complete producer plant and she's acting. All of this is acting. Or she's not. And she is somehow avoiding saying fuck the producers. She has to know that the producers sent him in specifically to interrupt her at that moment. She must know this. But she's not saying that in her ITMs. Is she saying that on that footage and they just don't include it in the show? 
Is she like, come on, guys, don't fuck with me like this. I'm playing ball. I'm doing what you ask. <laughs> I don't know. Katie Thurston called her the best actress of the bunch on uh, Bachelor Happy Hour, so I'm inclined to believe that she is acting at this point. Um, Dark Lord Harrison brings Matt James out to the front of the driveway. The women are convinced that this is going to be a Sarah Trot resurrection. DLH tells Matt, the ultimate goal is for you to meet the woman of your dreams. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Because you were The Bachelor, we had a record response of women who wanted to be on the show. To that end, here's some more incredible women dying to meet you and want a shot at love with you. They're arriving right now. Matt, let the journey continue. Doesn't give any pause, no line like, hey, Matt, do you want this to happen or not? Nothing. And the women watch powerless from their people and the justification for this is so fucking weak we had a record number of people who wanted to meet you so we're going to derail every relationship you've built in service of letting five new players come in it's absurd anyone watching this show right now must see the producers are trying to sabotage every relationship that is their goal you see the effects of this what could the effects be if not creating two teams who hate each other immediately and raising the general anxiety and all kinds of emotional traumatic levels for all of the players. And that's exactly what it does. The effects are that they are able to successfully copy something that Love Island does when they have the players go to Casa Amor. It's a model that works well and they've seen it done. Would be better if they go the extra mile and have Matt just straight up go on a date with all the women though. That would be, and have the women be, the other women be, the OGs be trapped in the uh, Nema common room. Portion three starts and Matt James is out there on the fucking red carpet as a limo pulls up. And yeah, like you're saying, all the women are watching from that circular window. And I am reminded of another professional sport in baseball. There are different baseball fields that have different dimensions, and some of them even have special features like Fenway Park in Boston has a thing called the Green Monster. It's a giant wall in left field so to hit a home run there you have to hit it higher than you do in any other baseball park in the country and this circular window is kind of like a field feature <laughs> for Nima Golan, in my opinion a field feature we get the five limo exits Brittany 23 model from Chicago is first she says, I'm Brittany from Chicago, but enough of all that. I want to make up for lost time. She grabs Matt James and kisses him without consent. This forced makeout was an it takes two standy. And pretty strong. Obviously, the other women see this. And when she walks into the house, they are kind of all reacting amongst themselves, calling her gross for having made out with him. And Victoria tells them all there's a new girl. Somebody says they're about to cry. Maggie says it's too much to handle. And we see this is now achieving the proper effect. People are starting to break down immediately because of it. She walks in and Victoria gets into a fight with her fucking instantaneously. (laughs) Brittany kind of introduces herself somewhat politely. Hi, I'm Brittany. There's some other girls coming in and Victoria's like, so you're like the backup? And she's like, okay, fuck her. No, I'm actually the best for last. And neither are backing down. Villain on villain action here. I love that line. So you quarantined and then just stayed in your room as a backup and now you're coming in as like a backup because some girls left. She's really hitting that. You are the backup. (laughs) 
And then Brittany divulges that she made out with Matt. None of the women like this info, of course. And Victoria ITMs that she is a slore, a slut whore. Look, I know you love Victoria, but the (laughs) toxic shit that she is spewing this whole episode is like a little much for me at this point. I'm just like, this isn't good for women. The Bachelor chooses to air these things. It's not just her saying them. The producers were like, we're going to cut in that slur line. We're putting that in the show for sure. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not on the producers, but what you're saying, it's not on Victoria. Come on. No, certainly it is. But then it also becomes that question of, is she acting? How much of this is fucking real? Like, is she really that person or does she know this is just going to get on the show? I don't know. In any case, you're right. It's bad to have it in the show. I still like her as a player. I can't get around that she's the most entertaining player i've seen in a very long time despite her problematic behavior we get a few blandies from michelle ryan and kimberly and we end with the fifth player catalina former miss puerto rico comes in she's wearing a tot she's got a gold dress and sash and tiara she says hopefully i'm here becoming the queen of your universe this is a Tot standy specifically designed to piss off Victoria and presumably Mari, who had the same tot. <laughs> yeah, Mari takes it in stride, but Victoria does not. If it is designed to piss her off, it works. Victoria has never taken a single thing in her life in stride. <laughs> <laughs> Catalina walks in and Victoria immediately says, I would like to meet you, Catalina. She gets her to come over, and then she says that she thinks she would like to wear her crown, and she literally reaches out and takes it off her head and puts it on her own. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. The assault? I know... She's problematic. I know she is not going to win the ring, but she is simply the most entertaining player I've ever seen play a not here to make friends strategy. What about Courtney? She wasn't this aggressive. She wasn't this hostile. I think she was way more entertaining than Victoria. She was absolutely entertaining and definitely a better player because she won the ring. Victoria's not going to win the ring. Yeah. But this shit is just like at level 11 always and taking off someone's tiara and putting it on your own head is such an act of hyper dominance it was incredible to see that happen and for everybody to just sit there and watch it not even yeah. knowing what to do because it's so brazen it just was my favorite play again i know that it is not a good play necessarily because it pisses everybody off like that shit could have been glued to her hair she could have ripped her hair out Luckily, that didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, By the way, a bunch of lines in here from the other players reacting. Anna says, I'm really having a mental breakdown right now. You'd be pissed, too, if you hadn't talked to the man you want to date and new girls just came in. Serena C says, I literally have PTSD from night one right now. It's just, like, never ending. This is a literal (laughs) trauma for them. This... uh, Essentially a night one curveball in week three. And that's the game. I mean, that's what this event is designed to do. It's designed to produce nervous breakdowns in the players that are there. And we're getting multiple of them. 
multiple players are being drastically emotionally affected by someone this. tries to attempt to take victoria down a notch and, and convince her like a child they say you're elsa royal tonight elsa doesn't wear a crown that was like a very much like what you say to your like four-year-old daughter who has stolen someone's crown <laughs> she puts the crown down on the table doesn't even give it back to catalina and matt james knows what he's getting into he says there is a hundred percent chance there will be hostility and a hundred percent chance there will be drama. And this, by the way, is a moment again to unionize. The original players could stand united and say, We all walk if you keep any of them, and they would have been gone. You can do I think even a group of like three or four front runners could have done it, not even all the players, and it would have worked. I don't know why players don't do this. If some big curveball comes in that threatens to fuck up everything, just band together and say, no, fuck you. It's not happening. Get rid of them or we walk. Would have worked, 100%. That's how we're going to find out that we're in the game. There's going to be a unionization play next season. (laughs) I think we already got some people in the game. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I think this season is the first one where I really feel like she's listening to our podcast as I'm watching it. By the way, Anna at this point says I'm literally shaking right now and she's doing some fucking phenomenal face play. Like, in a way I've never seen before. She definitely is the face player of the season. No question. Portion four begins and teams are being formed immediately. New girls not being accepted. Anna seems to be leading the charge against the interlopers. Rachel ITM, she is not feeling good about this, and she's curious if he will see the women as shiny new toys. And that's the first time we hear that phrase, but it is repeated a couple more times. This is how these players view Matt James as a child who can yeah. be distracted by shiny new Katie objects. Katie said this is new and fun candy also. <laughs> told you he's a big situation well he comes in and does a drinkless toast welcoming the new women and saying he can't wait to get to know them and victoria here expertly asserts herself to force him to finish the conversation that got interrupted by dlh a brilliant move impromptu first responder impromptu first responder that tacks on to the interrupted conversation she already had and she's extricating herself from this bubbling situation of new versus old players she's like fuck that i'm not part of that let's you and me go talk Katie tries to play this role of the welcoming party host with the woman says, if you feel like there's an energy, it's because a lot of us are very deeply invested in our relationship with Matt. She's sort of trying to diffuse that tension. And Anna starts setting up this villainization of new player Brittany. She says, I recognize her. We're both from Chicago and she's a little sketchy. She's not here for Matt. And she talks to Piper about this, tells her, I don't see her ending up with Matt. All I've been told about her, she fucking sucks. Also, someone that made out with him right away. More slut shaming. It's also strange. I don't know what their relationship is. How does she know this? How do they know each other? That is never expressly stated. It's just like she knows rumors about this other yeah, person. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she knows her at all. It was all very vague. Yeah. Brittany makes the first steal of the new players from Victoria. Victoria like has to stop herself from calling her trash, basically, right off the bat. Says, have fun with her. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down, too, that pause. She's, she did not express <laughs> oh, herself <fuck>. here. <laughs> no, she did not. 
And then this kicks off some one-on-one time with all of the new players right in a row. And they're all doing kind of first cocktail party conversations about their dogs and how cute he is and brothers and family. Michelle does a little bit of this line that we kind of heard from Ivan and Tasha. I want to change the world with someone. You could be that. Matt James is like, I could be that. Hint, hint, we could be a power couple. And then I feel like we'd breed well, just putting it all out there. <laughs> if breeding is one of your main priorities in a relationship, you know, it's good to know. And then back inside, a little interesting sub-conversation takes place between Abigail, who says... If such a small thing like this can rattle me, then I don't know what I'm doing here. And Anna, who says, this isn't a small thing. (laughs) Five new girls, no new roses added. She is pure gameplay mode. All she is thinking about is the math of this situation, how it's going to fuck things up. I love seeing it. I don't know if Anna is in the pit. I don't know if she listens to our podcast, but she definitely has a very good head on her shoulders for game mechanics. She does get a little fucked in this episode, but she understands the game at the very least. And then DOH emerges to perform one of his specific functions. He brings knife to glass one, two, three, four, five times. A five ting will signify the end of standard play, just like a buzzer in basketball or hockey. And before we get to the rose ceremony, we have to take a little break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. As small retailers and hospitality businesses continue to grow, it's important that hiring managers have access to quality candidates fast. That's why there's ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your listing to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to millions of job seekers. Then, their matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates and proactively presents them to you, allowing you to actively invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for yourself, for free, at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The Rose Ceremony begins... MJ, First, Flower, Piper, Bree, Maggie. Mari ITM, she's worried that he's going to be distracted by shiny new stuff like a child again. (laughs) And she also says something interesting. They've barged in on the process talking about the new player. She's trying to invoke the sacred nature of the process here. But this is the process, Mari. This is a misunderstanding of what the game is. The beauty of what producers get to do is that as long as they don't ever oppose 4TRR, they can shape the game in any way they like, and that is the process. Michelle is the first new player to get a rose at number five. You go Mari, Ryan, again, new player, Kit, Serena C., Abigail, Katie, Victoria, Lauren, Brittany, Jasenia. Ian, I get second to last. This is why you never ITM that you're having a nervous breakdown. (laughs) This is why she got second to last flower. They're trying to push her over the edge. And last flower goes to Catalina. As Mari says, these new girls have barged in on our night and barged in on our process. (laughs) And the Dark Lord gets to consume the souls of Kaylee, Kayla, and Kimberly. 
MJ, ITMs, these new players are naive to what they're walking into. Game on. By the way, Anna, at this point, ITMs had brand something. She says there's already kind of a divide between the OGs, the original girls, and the new girls. So she's branding them as the OGs. This is something that happens a lot. We've seen it. We've seen the house divided by age quite frequently, where it's like the Cougar Club from Colton Underwood season versus the young players. There's a distinct difference of tone in this, I feel like, in the branding of groups. That's like, I've never really seen it before. It's almost like, and it'll come up a couple more times, but it's almost like the old players, the OGs, have been fighting in a war for like... yeah two tours and these are the new fresh recruits off the boat who think they're going to come in and know what the fuck is up because it's not like some of it is i don't want them to take my time but a lot of how they're phrasing it is like they don't know what they're walking into that's literally what mj says here she says these girls just don't get it they think it's going to be a cake cakewalk pump your brakes they're just naive to what they're walking into they have no idea game on yeah it's that what they're talking about is more that they feel these players haven't suffered like the old ones have. They haven't been through half of what these people have seen. And then portion six begins with DLH greeting the women in the morning in the NEMA common room. He says, we did have some newcomers last night, and he asks the newcomers to give us their post-game interview, what it was like coming in. And Victoria ITMs that she's going to show them why she's the queen of the castle and the kingdom, and they'll feel the pressure And hopefully, the newbies will drop like flies. Serena C. reads the group date card. It's going to be Mari, Bree, Abigail, Brittany, Ryan, Catalina, Maggie, Anna, Victoria. And we see a Council of Crowns. Ben Higgins returns to give advice to Matt James. Matt explains the situation with the new players. And Ben sums it up. You kind of have the old regime now and the new girls how are you going to bring them together this is very pastor ben it kind of also this conversation like sounds like two leaders of like polygamous communities like (laughs) you need your sister wives to all get along (laughs) how are you gonna make this one family oh my god and they don't talk about jesus notably Although Matt does say he's putting a lot of faith in Ben. And at the end of this Council of Crowns, we do get a shot of a lake that has a couple of creatures on it. Some ducks. These are not my creatures of the week. The women (laughs) meet both Ben and Matt by the lake. (laughs) Shitting on those ducks. (laughs) Ben tells the women as they come up, uh, it's going to be a fall in love obstacle course fall in love fest obstacle course they have to get into thousand pound pumpkins and paddle them across a lake like a fucking weird boat to where matt will be waiting for them then it's a foot race to and i quote station number two squirreling around the women will be dressing as squirrels to carry an acorn to a bucket over a balance beam, and then a foot race to finish for a special prize. In case you guys don't know this, Bachelor Clues is obsessed with squirrels for our new listeners. 
for three to five years of my life, I was the best urban cell phone photography, squirrel photographer in the world. I post pictures of these squirrels that I took photos of on my personal Instagram account, which I have not dealt with in many years because Magical Clues has taken over my life. But I also post them in our Patreon if you have any interest. I love squirrels. They love me. And now it just feels like the show is doing this for me. It feels like this is the Dark Lord answering my fucking prayer. I mean, they could have chosen anything for them to be dressed as. A fucking squirrel? Anything. Or nothing. Maybe they're not dressed as anything. Maybe this is a thing where they have to jump in a mud puddle and fucking humiliate yourselves in a different way. Yes. Wedding dresses. A squirrel, though? Well, needless to say, this was like a fucking hallucinatory fantasy for me. I loved this entire scene. They give Maggie a fool's edit. She's stuck in her pumpkin boat in the swamp. These pumpkins are literally designed to torture them. They are not good boats. And Matt James is just screaming at her from the dock. Use your paddles! Oh, thanks, Matt James. Great advice, dude. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) He deserved to be roasted. Um, (laughs) Anna Redmond plays a very Kelly Flanagan on a relay race date where she finds Britney's little acorn they're all supposed to find and she hides it so that Britney can't possibly win. And Clues theorized, by the way, at this point that Victoria didn't have an acorn so they could make sure she didn't win. (laughs) And we see that Mari carries her little acorn in her mouth across the balance beam, gets to Matt James first, and we cut to a little shot. It's a creature. It's a chipmunk being cute as fuck. (laughs) And this chipmunk was my... Creature of the week. Defend your creature. He's beautiful. A, I'm curious <laughs> to why they didn't actually use a squirrel. They used a chipmunk, which is sometimes confused with a squirrel. I was confused. I wrote squirrel. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's similar family, but um, I have to imagine there's some squirrels in those trees and they couldn't give me a B-roll shot of that. I mean, they had the whole team dressed up as squirrels. They couldn't give me... Anyway, he was very cute. I like the chipmunk. I like chipmunks just as much as I like squirrels. And he was kind of the cherry on top of this giant dessert plate filled with all of my greatest fantasies for our game. Oh, I wrote a quote down that you said here. They gave me a shot of my favorite player of all time in a squirrel costume digging for nuts. Thank you, Dark Lord Harrison. The pit provides. This is fucking insane. (laughs) There's that one shot of Victoria Larson how she looks up from the pile of leaves with that fucking squirrel hat on. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god. I could if the only way that would have been better is if Nick Vial would have been the host of the date and he would have been dressed as a squirrel as well. If that would have happened, oh I would have god. lost my mind. This podcast would be over. I would just be a lunatic at that point. How do we manifest Nick Vial in a squirrel costume? But then we see the special prize that DLH played up is a fucking golden trophy of two acorns, and DLH says, these nuts are yours. That's the big special prize they played for. There's no extra time. I thought it was going to be maybe like they get a little one-on-one moment with them or something. Nope. Fuck that. 
You're allowed to take the squirrel costume off. That's the prize. <laughs> By the way, I wrote here and said the percentage that this is directed at Bachelor Clues is not zero. It's not. I agree with you. <laughs> Astute observation. Next portion seven starts. We're at the at the lodge at Nemecolon for the after party. And Matt James says, the most enjoyable part of group dates for me is the after party. The not torture part of the group dates. <laughs> Anna gets the bachelor's preference here. He grabs her first. She says, I have a little plan in my head of what I want to do and say. Hope I get the group date, Rose. And she tells Matt the situation is a lot for her. Somehow is connecting that to growing up boating and doing water sports. Not a great play in that conversation, but then Brittany comes up and tries to steal, and Anna fucking blocks the steal. Uh, yeah, you can have him in about five minutes. Is that okay? Take a hike. Beautifully played here. I absolutely loved this from her because she does seem to be floundering with the time getting infringed on with these new players. And here, she showed that at the very least, she had a little bit of wherewithal, and she was able to pull out this block. Very nicely done. Here's the thing, though. She does a beautiful block steal here, but then with that time, she doesn't do anything. She founders again, and she says in her ITM, all I was thinking about was that Brittany was standing there, and this was my... Error, 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 error of the game. If you're going to do a block steal, which automatically kind of puts you in this bad light where you're, the bachelor is seeing you in conflict, you need to make the most out of it and pull out some sort of like kiss lead in line or some get something out of that time. Brittany then comes up right away, steals him. She might as well not have blocked the steal. She tells Matt that she's going to double dip and then come back and find him, but... It doesn't doesn't play well for Anna. And as Brittany takes Matt James away, Anna ITMs a loaded threat that she knows some dirt on Brittany. And this leads us into the two-on-one time between Anna and Victoria that we saw at the opening of the show where Anna claims there is a rumor that Brittany is entertaining men for money. They talk about Brittany lacks a lot of class, that she made out with him. It's slutty. It's just super slut shamey. I hate it. And then back in the Nima Common room, Michelle uses a little bit of a preemptive 4TRR defense against the rest of the group. She astutely knows that coming into the situation, she's a target. Nobody else likes her. She just throws it out there. I am here for the right reasons. Yeah. Poor TRR can be used for a weapon. It can be used as a shield. Here she uses it as a shield. Pretty good use of it, I feel like. It did seem to diffuse some of the animosity toward her specifically. Mm-hmm. And then the date card comes in, and of course, it's for her. Let's make up for lost time. And MJ ITMs that she will have more time than she's had the entire time MJ has been here, and she hopes she doesn't come back with a rose. By the way, right after that Victoria Anna scene where they talk about her entertaining men for money, Victoria says, I can see her playing Matt if that's what she's used to doing to get what she wants. They cut immediately to Brittany making out with Matt. The cut in itself is slut shaming and being like, oh, she manipulates men. 
Here's her kissing him. I they could have cut all this out. None of this had to be in yeah. the show. They cut out a whole fucking day portion of a group date <laughs> so that we could see this. Then Bree has some one-on-one time on the group date. And she says, this is my second group date. I felt a little insecure in the squirrel suit. But then they say, I know that you're feeling that too. She says, I am so grateful for getting those little interactions with you. I feel it. Matt goes, you feel it? They make out. This was like almost my play of the game here. Because Bree is basically doing sort of a FIP strategy. Getting the first one-on-one laying in the cut and being like you know what i'm grateful for the little moments i'm grateful to be on group dates that's all you got to do on group dates absolutely couldn't agree with you more it's a the fimp strategy and the first first flower first one-on-one date strategy are very similar and brie is playing it very well and then Matt returns to the group and he gives out his bronze medal to Brittany for her bold gestures. He gives Anna a silver medal because he loves what he's getting to know about her. But there's only one GDR group date rose and that goes to Brie for that fucking great use of her one-on-one time. Anna blames Brittany for this loss, saying that she comes in and blatantly disrespects time. Time Cop is back. Time Cop 2. The return of the Time Cop. Respect the time. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see the movie Time Cop? No. (laughs) Is it about group dates? No, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie. It's about a time cop. (laughs) Wait, what is a time cop? I don't think I knew this was a real movie. It's a cop who like travels through time to solve cases and shit. Oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme. It was like 90 something. I don't know. Anna talks to Brittany openly. She asks her to make sure her intentions are pure and she airs this dirty laundry that she was getting messages from other people back in Chicago that she was an escort and she is saying this in front of everyone, all the other players there at the after party. And she apologizes for saying it, but says, now I'll give you the space to tell us why I was getting those messages sent to me. And Brittany says, this is not true. She's had a boyfriend, her like entire since she was 16 and making a conclusion about her before she even knows her is terrible. And this was my... Error, 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 error of the game. What Anna does here is terrible second audience, horrible fourth audience, some of the worst fourth audience play ever. No one likes her now for this. And I think it's going to come back to sink her. I don't think she's going to make it through the next rose ceremony, which of course we didn't get to fucking see because we never do anymore. Rose ceremonies are just gone. (laughs) Fuck them. But if she did actually have this dirt, she could have used it maybe as leverage at some point. I'm not even saying she should have, but the way she played this was bad. And I think playing it at all is also just such a bad fourth audience game. And if you're really looking at your experience in the show to come out of it with as many Instagram uh, followers as you can get, you can't do one of these hard ass villain turns like this and do something that's going to make everyone hate you. And I know she's getting an edit that's pointing it to that direction as well. But she did do this. 
Like she did blow her up with a complete fucking rumor that has, at least as far as we're being presented, no evidence whatsoever. Even if for some reason Anna thought it would help her game to have this rumor be out there, she could have pulled Brittany aside and been like, hey, I just want you to know like this is what is out there. This is what people have told me. It would seem so much more for TRR than her saying this in front of everyone. And by the way, no one no one says shit. Everyone just leaves Brittany hanging here. Except for Victoria, who <laughs> smells blood in the water and fucking goes in for the kill. Brittany says it's really hard. She feels attacked. And Victoria just says, okay, then get out of the house and laughs. She's basically saying, Ugh. this is a game. If you can't hack it, get out. This is pure play, pure hostility, pure competition. New player Ryan ITMs that it's untrue and it's disgusting. Moving forward, Brittany's going to have to carry it forward and defend it, which is exactly what this is doing. It's putting a rumor out there that this is going to show up in Google search results for this woman the rest of her life. I wrote down the note, so much is wrong with this. It is the first time we have seen something like a CTE equivalent in our beloved game. In the National Football League, a thing happens to players that can fuck with their entire lives where they have massive brain trauma from cracking their skulls against each other again and again and again and again. And some guys have traumatically sad ends of their lives as a result of this. And I feel like this happening in our game is a similar almost kind of potentially lifelong social media effect that they are going to have to deal with. Started from a fucking rumor. So now your time in game, yes, you can get Instagram followers and all this kind of stuff, but it could also be so detrimental that it fucks your entire life up. And Katie Thurston obviously correctly recognizes this and we'll bring it up later in the episode, but this moment for me was like a fucking drastic turning point. I've never seen anything this malicious in the game so far it also shouldn't fuck your entire life up i mean sex work is work and i don't think that i think that all of these players shaming her for it and talking about it like it's disgusting as ryan said it's like you're you're perpetuating this stigma against sex work Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it was the manner in which this information was revealed, that it was like a dirty, dark secret, and oh, we can't have that out there. And it's slut-shaming. It's all these things that have been in the show for a long, long time, where it's in the same season, you can have Katie Thurston emerge from Mm -hmm. a limo with a dildo and celebrate it. Three episodes later, somebody gets accused of being a sex worker, and it potentially ruins her life. That's the scale we're looking at. I mean, it's like... It's a measure, it's a certain barometer for progress that like America is ready for the dildo. They are not ready for the sex work is work conversation. And we start our next portion, portion number eight, with another creature, a swan in a lake. What will this represent? (laughs) These swans were not my creature of the week. Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the women are discussing 
men paying women to spend time with them. Kit says apparently the nightlife world in Chicago is pretty small. Although it seems pretty big because Anna doesn't actually know this person. I still am like, where did she get this fucking information? Did the producers give it? Did the producers manufacture this? What text messages? Who's sending them? I don't understand how they, in quotes, know each other. It seems false to me. But then we get our one-on-one date with Michelle. It's the daytime portion. This is going to be an extreme sport zipline, followed by a scavenger hunt hot air balloon with a little peeping Tom thrown in. She meets him on a path in some trees, and guess what? No hooju. Hooju blown. Matt James tells her that DLH has planned this date, and it will be an extreme scavenger hunt, La Quinta style. By the way, Matt James, love level one's Michelle, right off the bat, says, I felt something and wanted to explore it with you. So we know she's going to be a front runner very soon, or at least that's the implication. And then their first clue says you have to take a leap to find the next clue, and they go ziplining. The way that Michelle plays this entire date is pretty flawless, fun, good girl strategy to me. She does this like fun arm contortion as her hidden talent. Um, She beats him in the zip line and she says it's good for you to learn early on, just sort of teasing him a little bit. She sets up this thing where... She says, let's say on the same time, on the count of three, how many children we want to have based on another one of these balloon clue things. And they go, one, two, three, three. She's using neuro-linguistic programming. Let's say it on the count of three. She forced him to say it. Oh, you think that's not his number? (laughs) He doesn't want any kids. What? (laughs) All right. Now you're just making shit up. Tyler can will be his son until the day he dies. <laughs> that beanbag Sleeping under his bed. His, his <laughs> child. <laughs> oh my so God. they then go to a hot air balloon. And back at Nima Colon, the women are out on a ledge. The producers have forced them out there. Get out there. Look out in the sky. See what you can see. And they've even given them binoculars so they can get a closer look on this forced peeping Tom at the hot air balloon date where Michelle and Matt James are kissing. They're kissing in this hot air balloon. And then there is a long shot of the hot air balloon. And I don't know if I hallucinated this, but I'm pretty sure there is a man with a hood who is crouched down in the balloon during this long shot to make it appear as if these two are the only two in the balloon. And this balloon man was my Jorge 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 Moreno, bystander of the week. This balloon man, who may or may not exist, was also my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. 
I paused my screen on this frame and walked up to my fucking television like three inches away from it. I was like taking pictures of it with my phone, scrutinizing it to the best of my ability. I still can't tell if it was a person or not, but it looks like it. It looks like there is somebody crouched in the basket of that fucking hot air balloon. It makes sense that there would be. I'm pretty sure it is. You can't visibly see anyone else and they wouldn't be out there alone. They don't know how to do a hot air balloon. And I'm sure for safety reasons, they need an expert in there. Even if they don't have a cameraman, they at least need a balloon man. So while they're making out, there's just some dude crouched down, (laughs) like hip level on them, like sitting there trying not to pay attention to these two people making out an inch from him. He probably does that for a living. He just like crouches down and tries to hide from people's like engagement pictures and shit. He's the best basket croucher in the world. Yeah. And I mean, this was a cute little bonding moment of the Peeping Tom woman. It's Katie, Serena P, Mari, and Piper. And Serena P goes, imagine if you have your first kiss in a hot air balloon. And the women are like, stop. And she's like, yeah, but imagine it. It's a cute little moment. This is very strong second audience work by Serena P. This is what you do when you're building your team, building your squad. These are going to be the women that you're taking Instagram pictures with for the next three years, and you're building those bonds right there. And we begin portion number nine. We're back in the NEMA common room, and the group date is announced. It's Katie Piper, Serena P, Rachel Kitt, Chelsea, Jasenia, Lauren, Serena C, MJ, and on the date card it reads, are you willing to fight for love? And the women all scream, no. <laughs> Rachel even utters the phrase, I'm so scared. They all know this is going to be the forced violence group date. They all know yes. it. And indeed it is. But back on the one-on-one, Matt James takes Michelle to an old car museum. And I couldn't help thinking to myself, you know. Ari would have loved this place. Over dinner, they talk about how time is flying and the date went very well. He tells her she's been so patient. Excuse me? She's been there for 24 hours. What is he talking about? He means the extra quarantine time. Oh. Because I think these women (laughs) all arrived at the same time and they had to wait extra. We heard Brittany mention it earlier that she was losing her mind. Charles style. On the dinner portion, Matt James asks her why she got into teaching and she says she wanted to help those around her since a young age and she knows she's making a difference in the world with the kids she teaches. She talks about the pandemic making the year difficult for students, especially her students of color. Just like Matt James said he couldn't imagine what Chelsea's experience was like, he uses that same phrase for Michelle. He can't imagine what her experience has been like either. And she starts to talk about how the parents of her students actually want to have conversations about how this is affecting the students. And in this moment, I am almost convinced the show is actually taking a turn. We not only had the incredible conversation between Ivan and Tasha on last season of Bachelorette about race in America and George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, we now in this episode have had two conversations about race had by all players of color and they are at least on screen i don't think either of these conversations was as in-depth as ivan's was Mm -hmm. but i mean nonetheless 
a significant portion of the dates on this episode were players of color talking about race. And I think that that is a very good thing to have in the show. No, I totally, totally agree. And I think that Michelle, she incorporated a lot of things into this conversation. She's, it's not quite a PTC, but it is telling a very 4TRR relatable story about teaching this year and all of the different, you know, (laughs) horrible things that have been happening, including the pandemic, including talking to her her kids about George Floyd, etc. And these are things that people who are in Bachelor Nation are going to be able to relate to. This is an amazing fourth and first audience game right here. There are people in Bachelor Nation who are teachers, who are first responders, etc., who this year has been harder on them. It's affected their work more than, you know, people in other lines of work. For instance, podcasters. And then she compliments him on what he's doing with food tours. And she says, you know, people might not always remember what you say, but they will remember how you make them feel. And this is a fucking softball just thrown up to him. And he fucking hits it. Maya Angelou. And she is stunned that he knows this. Or at least she acts stunned. It's one of his favorite quotes. And she is beside herself. This is another seemingly coincidental piece of information that they both share. This conversation reminded me of like a 2021 version of the ring winner from Travis Stork season, season eight. I know this is a deep cut, but the ring winner was a kindergarten teacher and she was very good at sort of like gently manipulating Stork. And like, to me, this conversation kind of followed that pattern of like, you know, people remember how they make you feel. Hi, Angelo. Good, Matt. You got it. (laughs) Yeah, it's high level play. Michelle really impressed me on this first episode she came in did what she had to do did it very well and of course gets the one-on-one rose she's also doing a strategy that you kind of have to do if you're entering the game late which is i can't believe how into i am so fast which you have to do because you're making up time here sort of a dale moss claire crawley strategy she's she gets the one-on-one rose they kiss she says i'm feeling like i'm floating on cloud nine They get in one of the fancy cars and Matt's like, I feel like I'm in high school again. He grabs her chin and makes out with her. Beginning of portion 10, Katie, Brittany, and Ryan are on the porch and Brittany tells them what happened on the group date and Katie says, people are going to throw stuff out that's not accurate and make up stuff. Interestingly, Brittany in her ITM says, I can handle my emotions really well usually, but right now I want to cry. So it's like this person who even (laughs) thinks she has this emotional fortitude can't handle this game. And again, I just have to ask, like, who's watching this thinking that the show's purpose is to help these people start relationships? The only purpose of any of this is to destroy these people. And it's working. Katie ITMs that the mean girl stuff needs to stop. And then we hear a thud and we cut to a shirtless Matt James in the woods slugging a punching bag. He squats a log. He does push-ups in the leaves and he drags a sled across the ground. 
and he ITMs that the women have some pent-up energy, and you got to get it out somehow. And apparently that somehow is going to be by beating the shit out of each other for his entertainment. And then the women emerge into the forest to find Matt James and Katie Thurston performs a hooju. This is a pretty good hooju. Now, I'm going to give you just my cursory experience of it. At some point this week, I will be putting out a video on my Instagram account that is the numerical value of this hooju. But this is what I saw. After three or four rewatchings, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would say this is probably going to be in a high seven, low eight range. She breaks away from the pack solo and she is running enthusiastically toward him. Big fucking smile on her face. He knows it's coming. She knows it's coming. There is never a moment of hesitation in it. She knows what the fuck she's doing and she's conveying the proper level of excitement. It's a nice jump, high cling, not a lot of distance, but she does get a good height on it, so Matt James doesn't have to bend down and pick her up and do a deadlift, and she does get a pretty high cling. Now, one of the most crucial elements of a good hooju is the double ankle lock around the back. She doesn't get it. She doesn't even get feet around the back. She clings to him with knees only. That's why I have to deduct some points, and then we don't really get to see the dismount, so who knows what that's about, but probably done pretty well. What if she can't get the legs all the way around what if matt james's torso's the circumference is too large gotta figure that out i don't know what to tell you i at least <laughs> want the bottoms of your feet touching toes touching something you need those legs wrapped around her she didn't even put her lower legs around him or make the attempt it was knees only she just kind of like stuck to him i get the impression from both kit's who do and katie's who do that they know it's a thing and that they are joking about it in the house and they're like i'm gonna do it and they do it but Katie's, it seemed a lot better to me than Kit's. Yes, definitely better than Kit's, but still there's that hesitation to go full hooju. You got to put the legs all the way around, double ankle lock if possible, and you hang on as long as you can until it becomes <laughs> awkward and strange. At any rate, a pretty good hooju. I'm not knocking her. I think she may have some better ones later in the season. Pretty good hooju. And these group date hoojus are like... It's happening on a lot of group dates now. <laughs> Two group date hoojis this yeah, season. Yeah, we never see that. Serena C. does some good colorful narrator things. Talks about Matt in the, wo- the woods. The woods. Says, yum, daddy. And then they bring out a celebrity trainer. Mia St. John is conjured. She is a former world boxing champion there to teach them how to fight. And she tells them they're all going to be fighting in front of a live audience later that night. And Kit tries her best to pull out an I love Cleveland here, but it is simply not convincing. (laughs) They push it on her face and she's like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nice try. I appreciate the effort, Kit. You got to sell it a little more. And then they all get boxing lessons from Mia. Mia was not my... Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Not mine either. She would have been, but if that man is in that basket... I think it I mean, that's fucking crazy. Matt James and Mia train the women on their punches. Serena C says, everyone on the date today is OGs. I would have rather had new girls and I'd try harder to beat their asses. And she hits Matt James and says, this is for the other girls you're dating and for getting no time. Time cop. And then all of the women 
walk into a room with bleachers and a boxing ring and we see a big sign that says battle for the bachelor and doh is standing in the middle of a literal fucking boxing ring with a microphone hanging down like fucking michael buffer bruce buffer any of these guys who announce fights and he says let the journey begin Uh, and dlh and wells now are going to be the judges and i guess wells was a golden gloves boxer i didn't know that oh i thought that was a joke oh maybe it was women come out in boxing outfits they don't even have characters for this it's just pure violence it's literal fucking boxing this isn't pro wrestling or anything and we see this first fucking match it's katie versus jesenia and it's like fucking they're hitting each other hard yeah this shit fucking hurts you're seeing matt james's reactions like complete fucking shock and katie wins this first fight the cte is the cte of our beloved game (laughs) I mean, somebody could have gotten really fucking hurt. Do you remember there was a Bachelorette season where they made the guys box? I was on that date. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Pace case in the document. Do you remember that guy who crushed the dude in the finals? It was like a 250-pound no. college linebacker versus a dude that weighed like 150 pounds, and he just fucking annihilated him. No, I don't remember fuck i'll never forget it nothing that severe happens in this round of boxing matches but it was not easy to watch the second match is kit versus serena c another rough one serena c wins that third is rachel versus piper we don't know who wins they don't give us a lot of it fourth is serena p versus lauren lauren beats the shit out of serena p punching her in the nose snapping her fucking head back and matt james is like that's it that's too much i'm throwing in the towel by the way, he says this in an ITM, so he's not actually calling it. He's pretending to call it in an ITM. And Serena P gets a little IFI here. She has injured her nose and she's icing it, talking to Matt James. She says, it really hurt, but I'm fine. And Matt hugs her. This is another moment when you could have unionized and derailed the entire thing. If all the players would have said, we're not doing this, it's over. They don't do it. I wonder if the missing group date footage was a unionization play. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you think that's possible? I am not actually wondering that. No. (laughs) What? How dare you? You look so hopeful. I hadn't Uh, even thought that that's possible. And then you just planted the fucking idea in my mind. I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's all happening. I'm getting squirrel costumes. I'm getting unionized plays. Tyler Cameron saying hooju. It's all happening. As it was coming out of my mouth, I knew what was happening. And I was like, this is Pandora's box. You can't put Pandora back in the box. (laughs) I'm going to let you see my demons. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. So... Matt and Serena have a little one-on-one time. She has an ice pack on her nose. She's saying, I'm fine, though. I'm fine, even though it really hurt. And it is time to head to the after party after these women were forced to participate in group violence against one another. Matt, in his toast, thanks them for pushing themselves and how that helps you grow. And to that point, this is something he says a lot. That's his transition phrase to that point. He says, to digging deeper tonight. And I was like, pit. I wrote that down too. Is he in the pit? I don't think he is. I don't think but so. But if Tyler also Cameron's blocked. saying Huju, he's blocked maybe he us is. also. <laughs> All the COVID boys. Rachel has some one on one time with him. 
she says that it's been hard. You know, we spend more time with the girls. I'm really feeling a lot of things. Got overwhelmed. Matt uses this line. He says to fucking everyone, what do you need from me to make you feel like I want you here and I don't want you to go anywhere? Well, I guess he only says this to his front runners. And she's like, um, let's see, a rose? <laughs> and then she does a good line here. If it's meant to be, nothing can change that. Even five girls, if we're both feeling this, that's all that matters. That's a great kiss lead in line. It's implicitly praising the process. It is saying, I feel a connection with you. And it is giving into some kind of a higher power. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Destiny can be interchangeable with a kind of God idea. Back at the group, Kit talks about her inexplicable anxiety levels from this week. (laughs) And Piper gets some one-on-one time. And he says he thinks he could do a better job letting her know how he feels about her. She says she was going to say the same thing to him. And... She says she really likes him. And LL1 for Piper. And he says they're on the same page, implying it back to her. And then they get a kiss. Back in the Nima Common room, we have a conversation between Anna and Victoria. And Anna says, I gave up so much to be here to not get time. Time cop is pissed. She says, this fucking sucks. Victoria says, Brittany is straight up serial killer weird. Anna... This whole scene seems to be 80 yard in. I'm not sure which of these sentences are actually saying, but theoretically, Anna says, also, she could be an escort, Victoria, whore, and Catalina is the dumbest hoe. I don't see her lasting. Just fucking vicious, toxic bullshit from Victoria that at least Clues has come to know and love. (laughs) I don't like the shit talking. To me, that's just like, it's kind of bad play, and it's also not that interesting to watch taking the crown off someone's head fucking incredible blocking steals targeting people and eliminating them she is the most interesting player this season by far i think honestly maybe of any fucking season and the fact that producers are keeping her around she got a fucking rose and a goddamn rose ceremony after last week she's gonna get a rose in the next fucking week and it looks like she's gonna do an ifi from the fucking upcoming shit i can't wait anyways back on the group date The GDR awaits. It is on its little platter, and the women are shit-talking the new girls, feeling like a slap in the face that they were brought into the show. And MJ says, don't tell me you know what it's like, because you don't get it. And this is that moment where I felt like they've been in a war for two tours, and now these new recruits show up, and they're just like, you don't get it. Yeah, Serena C. calls them ignorant, MJ says it's all the varsity squad here and Katie says at the end of the day they live with us the continuous digs at some point we got to get over it and welcome them into the house Katie again doing this for TRR second audience game trying to be the peacemaker but it's also incredible fourth and third audience play she is exhibiting crown behavior None of these other players are. When they go low, you go high. Let me give you another (laughs) quote. That one by Michelle Obama. No, I think that's Maya Angelou. It's just a fantastic fucking play. Nobody else is doing this, even thinking to fucking do it, to show empathy for these new players. Because by shitting on these players, by the way, you're shitting on the process. You're shitting on the game. You have to accept everything that happens. Solution and protocol. We know what we signed up for. And part of that is the producers are going to try to fuck you always. You can't let it get to you. And these other yeah. players are just fucking taking the bait. 
Katie takes this one step further. She goes outside to find Matt James talking to some producers, and she does a steal from the producers. I I don't know if I've ever seen that. <laughs> it was beautiful. And she basically tells him, hey, it would be a good time to address some of the bullying. It's hard for me to stand up for these women when they have this mob mentality. Uh, the house needs to be better. It's a toxic environment. There's pretty bad rumors starting about new girls that could literally ruin their lives. Normally, I would say tattling is an error, but Katie is doing it in a, it's like a protective tattle. And I'm very curious to see how it will play out. She did it perfectly. She names no names. She talks about a general situation happening that could be so detrimental to one player or more players he doesn't actually know that their lives will be ruined. So the stakes are dire enough that this needs to be said, but she's not throwing anybody under the bus. This is the highest level tattle I maybe have ever seen. And again, this is play that can only be done by i think someone deserving of the crown she is now elevating herself for us separating herself from this fight she's also doing that with matt she tattled and didn't come off like a tattletale it was fucking brilliant i loved watching this conversation it was so well done it's also getting him pulling him to action so he's kind. Of, she's kind of getting him on her team. She says, tomorrow with everyone, you could address it. Coming from you, it would mean a lot. It's such a good play. It's almost my play of the game. I mean, it probably should have been my play of the game, but Victoria's yeah. <laughs> crown steal is just too <laughs> fucking funny to me. But that's it. Matt, thanks her for bringing it up. And we get the next week, we see that Victoria's going to IFI. <laughs> and then yeah. we get our tag where Maggie makes... Matt James danced to no music, which was pretty funny. And that was it for this week. Who was your MVP? This player for her excellent good times, good girl strategy on her one-on-one, her subtle manipulations and touch play and kiss play chemistry game. Michelle was my M M M M V P P We talked about this last week how difficult it is to come in late in the game that the odds are against you. Michelle has come in and she has become a front runner right off the bat and she did it by this very 4TRR game talking about her profession. It's something that definitely makes her look good. And she also used that 4TRR as a shield when she was speaking with the group. Um, I just really think she has set herself apart from the rest of the new players. I feel like she could be in the top four at this point. Part of that is because all of my front runners have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't have any left? <laughs> no, I do. Rachel and um, Chelsea Vaughn. Yeah, I just think she had the odds stacked against her in this episode and came out a victor. Yeah, she definitely played a great game this week and it was really flawless. That said, she was not my MVP. Instead... Katie Thurston was my 
These other players are playing for what? The ring top four? I don't know what they're playing for. <laughs> Katie Thurston is playing for the crown. She is playing the next step of this game. She is going for the highest award. And right now it seems like she doesn't have any competition for it. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen late in the season. I don't know what's going to go down in fantasy suites and playoffs, hometowns, all this shit. There's a lot of game to play. A lot of game to be played. Somebody could pull out a huge victimization role and wind up getting the crown. But so far, what I saw her do tonight was the first, in my opinion, true bid for complete dominance in the conversation of crown at this point. I just can't imagine anybody else who would wear it. Everybody else seems vindictive and petty in some ways. Very petty. Like, who doesn't? Maybe, like... There's positive edits for Bree Springs. There's positive edits for Serena P, Chelsea Vaughn. But I I mean, I agree with you. Katie is dominating this last play where she steals from the producers and tells Matt that he needs to address the house. Ends up being the cliffhanger of the episode. She's, again, creating these storylines. She's coming off as the hero for this woman who has been bullied she was the only player in this entire game that didn't fall for the trap. The women coming into the show was a trap that is designed by the producers to fuck your game up, to get you so full of anxiety and fear and nervousness and even stoke your competitive uh, impulses so much that you're going to start attacking people. You're going to start shit talking people. You're going to do what Anna Redmond did and just fucking throw out a crazy ass rumor to try and sink somebody and that's going to backfire on you. Katie's the only person who didn't fall for it. And she now, in fact, is turning that whole situation. It blew all these other players up. And she expertly just goes out and tells Matt James, hey, everybody's acting like assholes. Bye. <laughs> Not me, <laughs> God damn, it was so beautiful. I really do think she's going to be the crown. I'm hopeful that she is because I think she'll be a very good one as well. I would love to have our first ever sex positive player be our crown. <laughs> We did a digging deeper with part of it was Katie Thurston on Bachelor Happy Hour and talked about how Rachel Lindsay was saying she was the next sex positive player after Caitlin Bristow. We talked about how Amanda Marsh really was the first sex positive player in season one. But that is it. That is all she wrote for the fourth episode of season 25. It was a doozy. Had a lot of stuff in it, mainly people in squirrel costumes, which I loved. I mean, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I feel like a personal dream has come true. I mean, it literally has, so <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for sending in all of those delicious tids to me down on the bottom of the pit. It is helpful for us because that's how we get some of our news and figure out what we're going to talk about in This Week in Bachelor Nation, which will be coming out in 48 short hours we're going to be giving you all the Bachelor Nation news, the movements of Instagram, what the ratings of this week were, some screams from the pit, and even a state of the world. And we will be discussing the uh, insane parasocial plays that are coming out of the breakup of Claire Crawley and Dale Moss. It's unlike anything we've ever seen, and it's glorious to watch. And if you haven't checked it out, we had a bonus pod 
Digging Deeper episode, which we released Monday, which was Katie Thurston's interview on Bachelor Happy Hour and Stay at Home Pop podcast, where they interviewed Matt James, ex-roommate, and she discussed his problematic behavior when they lived together for a year in New York. You can find that at www.patreon.com slash Game of Roses. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,882 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. 
That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.